I went from not knowing anything about through hiking or or even if I liked hiking to falling in love with it and wanting to share it with others. So halfway through my through hike, I knew I wanted to share my story. This is the Wild Air Podcast. I'm Brad Bedelt. Welcome to the show. My guest this week is writer Derek Lugo. Derek is the author of a book titled The Unlikely Thru-Hiker, An Appalachian Trail Journey. Back in March 2012, Derek took a train from his home in New York City to Springer Mountain, Georgia. It's the start of the Appalachian Trail. The AT, as it's sometimes called, is a 2,000-mile-long footpath that winds through 13 states and ends in northern Maine. Before stepping foot on the trail, Derek had never hiked a day in his life. His book is an account of the ups and downs of thru-hiking. It's also about his experience being a young black man doing something that has long been the domain of mostly white people. I really enjoyed our talk. I found Derek candid and really inspiring. With that, here's our conversation. Enjoy. Hello, Derek. It's a pleasure to meet you. Hello, Brad. Same here. Let's dive in. I'm, I, I know you grew up in Brooklyn, but uh, I'll start with with that. Like, Tell me a little bit about growing up and your exposure to nature uh, as a kid. There was no exposure to nature. <laughs> I'm from uh, uh, New York City, like you said, and um, the only thing I knew about the outdoors was Central Park. That was the outdoors for me. You know, we did... You know, I would go to a Yankee game or, you know, I would play stickball on the streets and we had little parks that we would go to. But other than that, there was no like hiking trail that I knew of near New York City. It wasn't a thing that we did in New York. So I didn't discover the outdoors until I was an adult. So as a kid, it was just more of, like I said, just playing stickball, kickball, um, you know, you, you have certain areas in New York City where you have playgrounds and stuff like that. But um, other than that, I know anything about the out. I just knew the concrete jungle of New York City. So how did you get this idea to hike the Appalachian Trail? Where did that come from in the first place? Uh, long, long story short, I was going through and I still am going through that phase. I don't know if it's a phase at that at this point. Um, where I wanted to do certain things. Um, I'm a big storyteller and I think it stems from when I was a little kid and I used to talk my way out of stuff, you know, and uh, people would believe me. So um, I ended up, and then I started reading a lot. I fell in love with reading um, and I, someone handed this book to me and they were like, read this book. It's hilarious. You're you're going to love it. And I was like, well, I, I like I like hilarious. I like funny books. Mm-hmm. Read it. It was uh, a walk in the woods. Oh, and, by Bill Bryson. Yeah, and 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 the person that gave it to me didn't mention anything about the Appalachian Trail. You know, the one thing that stuck out for them was that it was hilarious. But for me, after I finished reading it, yeah, it was very humorous, entertaining, well written. But the one thing that stuck out was this hard trail that this author Bill Bryson made sound so hard. And I remember uh, thinking like, hey, that would be amazing to do. But it was, you know, it was like everything else, like mm-hmm. wanting to travel around the world or, 
run a marathon. It was it was there, but I never thought I would ever through hike the Appalachian Trail. So after I was living in Italy for a year, and this was part of me trying to do um, things um, outside of I was a very curious individual and I wanted to um and 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 living in New York City and at the time I was bartending uh, as a bartender the best thing you can have is stories cuz that's how you get like great tips. So I remember saying that I can't just read um about adventures and at first I thought maybe I can, you know, buy a, a ch cheap car and just travel across the country and meet people. It was always about you know, going and meeting people and experiencing certain parts of America. And then I remember laying in bed. It was late at night. And I said, what about the Appalachian Trail? I remember the Bill mm -hmm. Bryson book. And I had read the book maybe 10 years before I decided to through hike. Because the Bill Bryson book is about almost 30 years old. It's 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 been out there for mm -hmm. a while. And um, so I, I went online. It was late at night. went online. I said, when's the best time to through hike the Appalachian Trail. And it said during around spring in March, middle March, middle of March. And it was the beginning of March when I was doing this research. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna do it. Mind you, I didn't even know if I liked hiking. I've never hiked, camped, pitched a tent. I've never done anything like that in my entire life. But it was another adventure for me. And I said within you know, from that moment, like a week and a half, two weeks later, I was on on the Appalachian Trail. Which is amazing. I just want to read uh, the start of your book here. It, yeah, it's such a great opening. So it's, it's March 19th, 2012, and I'm first to arrive at the Amicalola Falls State Park Visitor Center. The center doesn't open for another 20 minutes, but I'm eager to see the Stone Arch, our gateway to the approach trail which in turn will lead me to the start of the Appalachian Trail. I place my backpack down on one of the six benches. It's strange to finally be here. An overwhelming sense of apprehension threatens to overtake me. I'm suddenly intensely aware of my Appalachian Trail ignorance and how little I know about surviving in the wilderness. Take me there a little bit. How does it feel when you're actually there at the place you're now doing it? Yeah, um, I remember that moment uh, when I saw the stone archway which is i saw before in like i think i i had watched one video or short documentary on through hiking at and in pictures of it and i knew that was a big part of a through hike it was the beginning of it and i i got like a, a pain in the pit of my stomach and i said i was thinking man what am i doing because everything i had in my pack I needed for my entire through hike. It was, I was thinking five to six months it would take me, ended up being six months. And I didn't know how to use any of the stuff in my backpack. And I said, how am I going to survive and do this? And as soon as that thought popped in my head, I, it was gone because I had nowhere else to go. I had planned to like be out here for six months. I was practically homeless, you know? So <laughs> I was like, what am I going to do? So I just took that step and just, went for it. And that was the beginning of a lot of ups and downs, a lot of lessons. One of the first chapters in the book is called um, Spring, uh, Lessons at Springer Mountain, because everything I should have learned months or years ago, I learned that day. And um, one, of, one of the other lessons that I got aside from learning how to use my gear was that 
this through hike wasn't just about taking these steps on the trail. It was, it was about this outdoor community that had no idea was out there. Mm-hmm. And these people were the people that were actually helping me learn how to through hike. There was no judgment. They, you know, we, they were all through hikers and they were like, look, you're out here. Let's, let's do, we're all out here to do this. And that was the beginning of me discovering this amazing outdoor community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you describe it in the book, at least the group you're with, as a moving village. Can mm-hmm. you tell me a little bit about, you know, I, I think for myself, when I think of a through hiker, I, I imagine a lot of solitary time or solo time, but it not totally. So maybe take me a little bit through the experience with the moving village. The idea, what I thought was going to happen was I was going to be hiking by myself. Um, wasn't sure how I was going to do that because I... In the book, I even talk about hiking by myself and how like frightened I was. I was scared of like, you know, squirrels running on dry leaves. And I was like, (laughs) just spooked and things in in a from a distance, like looked scary. Um, So for me, I thought I thought I was going to be on a trail by myself um, from the beginning to the end. And then within days of. Hiking in the beginning, when you're through hiking, especially the AT, it's very popular, and every campsite uh, and shelter was packed. And I remember that first week where it was just like you could barely find a spot, and then within a few weeks, it starts thinning out. Um, and then I I quickly realized that I wasn't going to be by myself. That you know I was always going to be around people. I didn't. I wasn't hiking with people all the time, but there was always, when I got to camp, there was always someone at camp. And to this day, I say, I always say like, I like hiking with people. I can hike with people or I can hike by myself. That's cool. But when I get to camp, I like having people around me. I don't like camping alone. I've done it a bunch of times and I'll I'll continue doing it. But my favorite time uh, when I do these adventures is when I get to camp and I can hang out with Mm -hmm. other hikers. Uh, So, Within a few days, it was just maybe it's like between eight and 12 of us. Just the thing about through hiking, like in real life, when you meet a stranger, you need that icebreaker. You know, you need something mm-hmm. that can, to, to get to know that person. It has there needs to be that one element that you guys can actually talk about. But when you through hike, the icebreaker is through hiking. So within first the first day, your friends, second day, your best friends after that, your family. So we all hit it off. Um, and it was like, like I said, between eight and 12 of us. And I was like, you know what? It was one evening. It may have been like the fourth or fifth day. I would see all the tents and I said, wow, it looks like a village. Mm. And they would pack up and we would go and we're moving on. And I was like, we're the moving village. Uh, and within a week, everyone, like we had decided we're the moving village and everyone had a trail name except for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Derek, you do get a trail name. You get a, a great trail name. Can you tell me a little bit about how it came about and maybe what trail names even are? Like, why do people get these nicknames? Mm-hmm. What do they kind of mean? Yeah. Uh, so when you're through hiking, you're stepping away from your everyday life. So all your responsibilities, all these real quote unquote real world stuff, um, distractions, all those things are kind of like set aside and you're doing this one thing you're through hiking the AT every day. So you kind of get 
a different name, like a, a nickname, a handle for what you're doing. And a trail name, you'll get one from another hiker. Normally, you don't name yourself. Some hikers do, but for the most part, the rule is someone else names you, and it's either you know, something you did, the way you look, something you said. It's just a fun nickname that you get from other um, hikers. Mm -hmm. And everyone had a, a, a trail name by like the seventh day we were hiking together. And then someone was like, hey, Derek, we're going to give you one. We're going to get to know you when we get to camp. So I was like, sure, let's let's see. Because they were trying to give me, other people were trying to give me uh, like New York, because I'm from New York, or Marley, because mm -hmm. I had like, you know, I have locks and I always wanted a, a trail name that had a story behind it where I can share with people. And I just, New York was too easy. Marla, it's like, what, because of my hair or because I lived in New York. I just, you don't have to accept the first name that's given to you. So I said, sure, let's, let's go for it. And I started sharing a little bit about myself, how I was, you know, I'm from New York city with zero experience. Um, and I would, joke around that um, I wish I had a full length mirror because I was known as a metrosexual, which is someone that kind of like uh, takes care of themselves, like grooms themselves, you know, uh, has like designer clothes and tries to look just decent all the time. And then, uh, yeah, I was joking around, wish I had a full length mirror I can pull out and like, just like look fresh and clean. And someone, it was Overdrive, that was his trail name. He said, you're a Mr. Fabulous. And I said, what? It's like, you're a Mr. Fabulous. I'm like, uh-uh. There's, there's no way <laughs> I'm going to be calling myself Mr. Fabulous. And I, I, I kind of knew what he was talking about. Um, so Overdrive was like, look, just use it for a while and then, you know, see see if you you like it, if it sticks. Mm -hmm. I, like, I don't know, man. I don't know if I can. Because the one question you get from people that find out you're through hiking is, what's your trail name? You know, and then someone's going to come up to me, ask me my trail name, like, hi, I'm Mr. Fabulous. You know, <laughs> it's just creepy. And he was like, well, don't say it like that. You know, like just <laughs> so I said, you know what? All right, I'll try to I'll try to use it. And in the beginning, I was very, very shy about it and mm -hmm. almost apologizing to people like, hey, they would ask me, I'm like, it's, it's Mr. Fabulous. I didn't name myself, but, you know, and then the reaction I got wasn't what I thought I would get. People were like just smiling and laughing and wanted to hear how I got the, the trail name, Mr. Fabulous. Because mm -hmm. I personally, to this day, don't think I'm a Mr. Fabulous. You know, it, it ended up being, and then I have one other story that really sealed the deal and it's in the book, but it ended up being more about, especially on the Appalachian Trail, um, about the story behind it and how it made people feel and how people laughed and smiled. And I love sharing this story. I, I, I share it all the time because it, it goes with why I kept Mr. Mr. Fabulous. So I'm hiking alone, I'm hiking by myself, and there is a group of elderly hikers doing a day hike. And they're going southbound. I'm going north. So we, I'm, setting, I'm stepping aside. And they find out I'm through hiking. They're asking me questions, wishing me luck. And the last person, she's like small, like older than everyone else. She's super old. She has like a cane, has an age. She was like probably older than the Appalachian Trail. She was like 200 <laughs> years old. Very cute. She walks up to me and she, she heard that um, I was a through hiker. And she says, uh, she asked, what's your trail name? And I go, ma'am, uh, it's Mr. Fabulous. 
And without missing a beat, she goes, oh, my gosh, I've been waiting for Mr. Fabulous my entire life. <laughs> and she reaches up, pulls my uh, face down to her, gives me a uh, kiss on my cheek and kind of like skips away, like <laughs> twirling her cane and her aide is chasing after her. And I'm like, whoa, it's like. The trail name Mr. Fabulous, the cure for old age. Like, what was that? And then from that <laughs> moment on, I said, you know what? It's just fun. It's a fun name. That's a great story. Um, Derek, partway through the book, you speak to kind of realizing that there aren't many people of color on the trail. In fact, I don't mm -hmm. think there were really any people of color. And you, you describe it as if watching the Andy Griffith show and realizing for the first time that, hey, there aren't many black people on this show. Uh I'm just curious how that felt throughout the hike. It seemed like a really positive environment, but was that surprising to you? And how did that kind of feel through the hike? I was very surprised. There was a lot of things I didn't know about through hiking. And the one main one was that I really stuck out. There wasn't a lot of people of color and even in the way other through hikers and locals and the way people were approaching me about it was just, they weren't saying like, Hey, you know, you're, you're a person of color on the trail. What are you doing out here? It wasn't like that. And mind you, I was in the South and I grew up thinking you in the South, especially in the woods, something bad's going to happen to you. You know, my family <laughs> was worried about it. But um, what in reality, what was happening was they were like, they were saying to me, thank you for being out here. You know, we're, we're happy you're out here. And I still wasn't understanding. It. And I was like, well, I'm glad you're out here. Thank you for being out here, you know? <laughs> and, uh, but they were saying, no, for real, like, you're the only person of color. And in the beginning, it was sad for me because I I didn't believe it at first. I would start trying to see if I can find anyone. And then I think it was like two people I found on the trail um, that were people, a person of color. And they were, um, it was their first time hiking and it was a day hike. Um, hmm. So for me, it was, I, it just blew my mind. I just, I, and, but I understood it. Because I had just discovered the outdoors mm -hmm. as an adult, you know, and the way we grew up, it's not what we do. It's not. And also hiking through hiking ain't cheap. You know, you got all the gear and all that, like that stuff that if your family's been doing it for a while, it's been handed down from family member to family member, you know. So mm -hmm. I didn't have any, We, you know, we, where I'm from, we try to survive, you know, we even <laughs> eat food in our, you know, we need to eat, you know, we're not thinking of like spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars on gear and going out and camping just for a night or a weekend or something like that. So mm -hmm. I, I started realizing that, yeah, I, I get why we don't know this. Um, but then I also, uh, I went from not knowing anything about through hiking or, or even if I liked hiking to falling in love with it and wanting to share it with others. So um, halfway through my, my through hike, I knew I wanted to share my story, not saying that, Hey, I'm a person of color on the trail, but just sharing my story mm -hmm. to let people know that, Hey, this is an amazing thing. And whatever doubts you had, I'm covering it in the book. I'm mm -hmm. covering everything that you think you, you know, is wrong with what I did and I'm covering it. And I, I'm hoping that I shine some light on your doubts and, you know, not on your doubts, but on how amazing uh, and how safe and how this could be a life changer for you if you can do it. Um, that's why I, I wrote the book. Mm -hmm. 
and I want to come back to that a little bit, Derek, but I, I want to go, you know, you hike for six months. Uh, I, I don't think this is a, a spoiler, but you, you do reach it, you know, the end, the, the top. You of ruined Mount- the end. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You reach the top of Mount Katadyne and, you know, it's quite emotional. I'm, you reach the end here and you say, I walk up, lean, lean my left forearm on the sign, followed by my head, covering my face and the tears that burst through. I forget everyone around me. There's no one but me and my unleashed emotions. Moments pass before I compose myself. I grab one of my bandanas and wipe a small area on the sign. I then reach down and kiss the fabled brown wood. I may be an emotional wreck, but I'm still fabulous. And I know that putting my lips to this wood is straight up nasty. (laughs) It's a great piece. And I'm just curious, like, how do you feel when you reach the end of this trail uh, at the end of such an epic journey? Oh, man, it was a lot of mixed emotions. Um, I wish I could have done it. Um, there was a lot of eyes on me for for many reasons. Um, and also there was someone was filming a documentary there. So uh, as I'm approaching the sign, the camera's on me. So I don't have um, I don't I'm, I'm not there by myself, like and just taking it all in There's eyes on. But then. Once I realized that I can't hide from it, I blocked them. It was as if I put walls around me and I was actually alone in like a bubble. So I just let it go. I just, you know, I I was ugly crying, you know, and thinking all all the stuff that I was thinking was really how I couldn't believe it. I was done. I can't believe that's something I knew nothing about. I finished and not a lot of people, um, I think even to this day, 25% of the people that actually attempted through hike the AT actually finish it. And I knew a lot went into it. I didn't just have the experience and just started hiking a lot. It was a mental thing as well. I had to understand that just because I don't have the experience doesn't mean I can't do it. And I was very proud that I was, I was able to complete it, but then taking in that that moment, it was just, I have a photo. The The one thing that through hikers, at least for me, it, uh, I would think about is that I wanted to get a picture of myself on the um, sign and make a postcard, make postcards so I can send them to people that helped me along the way, like mm-hmm. Trail Angels, um, family, all the people that supported me. A lot, almost every through hiker during that. I don't know if they still do that, but during that time when I through hiked would do that. And every time I see that photo, I had sat on top of the sign and I just raised my arms and I was embracing, um, I was embracing the world and the feelings I wanted to hold on to. And a hiker just happened to take a photo of it. And every time I see it, I was like, yep, all those feelings, that's, that's, it's right there in that photo. So there was a lot going on there. And even to this day, I finished through hiking the Continental Divide Trail last year. And the emotions I had were totally different than what I had with mm-hmm. this this through hike. Um, because there was so much going um, against me. And to, to be able to do something so incredible. And not even knowing the extent of it, how it really changed my life. I didn't find out until months, years later, how it would affect the rest of my life. But just to have those feelings there was very special. And then taking it and writing it for for so this long um, has been incredible. 
So you've written a fantastic book. I really enjoyed it. It's fun to read. And it's, um, I learned a lot in reading it as well as, as a hiker. So, and, and I know you've, you've done more hiking, but I'm curious, I know you've done some work uh, through your podcast in making the outdoors more inclusive and, and trying to encourage more to open up the world of through hiking. Can you speak a little bit to what you've been up to since sitting <laughs> on top of Mount Katadyne and your work? Oh my good! Oh my gosh! Um, so it took me six months to through hike the Appalachian Trail, but I I've been through hiking it for years now. From writing my book and reliving those moments, um, that took years to 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 get done, and then now doing talks, um, podcasts, all the things I'm reliving it, and it's you know it was a very special moment for me. Um. And it changed not just my life, but my career path. So I went from working in New York City. I worked the nightlife where I was a um, bartender, then, you know, a restaurant and, and bar manager to um, now educating a, about the outdoors. So coming from someone that had zero experience when he started that first day on the Appalachian Trail to now sharing the outdoors with people and writing about it. And I've had a dream of, of, you know, getting, having a book published and then the Appalachian trail making that true for me. So now I'm a published author with some works out there. Um, So now I'm just, I have so much, like, like I told you earlier, I have, I'm a storyteller and um, I have so much material now with all the things that I've done with through hiking, not just the AT, but now the CDT and then doing all these smaller adventures and now writing a second, working on my second book of um, hiking uh, the Continental Divide Trail. So what am I doing? I, I'm still sharing the love of the outdoors. And I think I can do my little part where if someone thinks they can't do it and they see someone like me with the zero experience that has done it and taken it to another level, mm-hmm. then maybe I'm sharing, you know, maybe I'm giving, I'm giving people the idea that they could do it and hopefully mm-hmm. inspiring them to just go in. I'm not talking about through hiking. I'm not talking about doing thousands and thousands of miles on a trail, just getting out there and doing three miles. I did three miles on the trail yesterday and I'm very proud of that. You know, mm-hmm. like just get out there and do a mile. That's what it's about because before you know it, you'll be doing more miles and I say this all the time. There was a period where I went from um, hiking every day to I couldn't hike every day and I didn't do it for like a month. And then I went back and did like a a two mile hike and how I felt. I was like, wow, I can't believe like I was missing this. It's very healing. Hmm. And don't walk into it just like meditation. People are like, how do you meditate? I can't tell you how to meditate. You know, I can't tell you how to hike. Just go out there. And just walk. Mm-hmm. And just let it happen. We're going to close with one last question. I think we have time here. And it's it's from your acknowledgments section. You write, it's a question you ask. So who was I at the end of this journey in comparison to the person I was before my through hike? And I'm just curious, who were you at the end of this through hike that was different? First of all, I want to thank you for reading the acknowledgement acknowledgments. Because I, I when I wrote it, I wanted it to be almost like a second chapter or another chapter where, um, so thank you for reading that. And yeah, um, I went, I, I've, I've always been a people person and, but when I threw hike the AT, my, the way I see people now 
has has changed because of the AT. So I went from, you know, like now I hang out with friends and when we're done hanging out, I'll say, I love you to them. I love you just comes out of my mouth. And then people know that and they'll say, I love you too. You know, like um, I wasn't always a positive person, but I knew going into my through hike that I needed to have a strong mind. And in order to have a strong mind, I had to keep it positive. That's where uh, peace, love, and all that good stuff came from. Every time I wrote it, every time I saw it, every time I, I, I would say it, it would remind me that I need to keep it positive. And then from that through hike, I've been trying to do that. It's been such a pleasure speaking with you and such a pleasure to read your book. Uh, I really appreciate your time today. Brad, thank you so much. All right, take care. You too. Thanks to Derek for taking time to speak with me. If you want to learn more about Derek or follow him on social media, you can check out his website at DerekLugo.com. You can also check there for links to his upcoming book. Thanks to all of you for listening. If you enjoyed this show, please do leave a review at wherever you've downloaded the podcast and feel free to check out the wildairpodcast.org for other shows. Thanks all.